0: Hello, and welcome to another author event at the Poison Pen Bookstore. I'm John Charles, and I'm delighted to have two of my favorite authors with us tonight, New York Times bestselling Susan Elizabeth Phillips and Jen McKinley. Before, yes. Before we begin tonight, I want to let those tuning in virtually know we do have a limited number of signed copies of both authors' books. So if you're looking for a gift for the special someone in your life or just a gift for yourself, as soon as you're done watching this program, go online and order a copy because they will not last long. And now I'd like to welcome Susan Elizabeth Phillips and Jen McKinley. Hi, John. Susan. My first question for both of you, and we'll start with you, Susan, is tell us a little bit about yourself before you became a writer, because if my research is correct, neither of you intended to be writers.
1: No, um, I wanted to be a movie star. (laughs) And this is my backup career. I I had a degree in speech and drama, And a minor in English, and I taught high school for a while until I was pregnant with our first child. And then I was a stay-at-home mom and started writing with a friend just just to have something fun to do while we were raising children. So that's how it all started. It was an accidental career, but based on the fact that I had been a huge reader since second grade, Mrs. Martin's class, The Boxcar Children. That book had hooked me from seven, from being seven years old on and was a, just a huge reader. So that was my training to be a writer, just definitely as a reader.
0: What about you, Jen?
1: Um,
2: I did know I wanted to be a writer, um, but I did love theater. And I, I had a moment where I was like, oh, I want to be famous. And be, I think I was more a singer. I wanted to be a singer. I won't. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But I also realized, you know, just because you have a knack doesn't necessarily mean you're any good at it. (laughs) So I had to pivot, and I think I, uh, I don't know, I was a teenager and I saw the movie Romancing the Stone. Everybody see that? And this is where you're like, duh. Um, I didn't realize writing was a career. (laughs) Like, people do that for, I think I thought books just showed up formed. I, I don't know. So I saw that movie and it, stuck in my head for like 10 years, but when I got to college, I was an English major, and I was like, well, that requires a lot of reading of things I don't like, mm-hmm. which is problematic. So, I pivoted to library science, knowing that at least I'd be working with books, right? And I would, I would you know, chase the dream on, as a side hustle, and then, you know, finally, I think my oldest son, who is here, <laughs> in the back, was fresh out of the oven when I got the call. And uh, I was so, I had gotten married and had a kid, and I had submitted a million books and been rejected and kind of forgot about it, because kid. And the phone call came from Harlequin, and the woman said, hi, this is Wanda Ottawell, and we want to we wanna buy your book. And I was like, what book? <laughs> and she said, usually people scream about now. And I was like, well, I like the baby, <laughs> And that, but that was kind of how that started.
1: Uh, John, there are people standing in the back. We have two seats here, and we have one sit there, seat there. If you have an empty seat next to you, would you hold up your hand? Come on up. You don't have to stay back there. Susan doesn't
0: bite unless you ask her.
1: No. <laughs> if you're closer, I can make fun of you. That's why I want you up here. This is school teacher syndrome. I can sense right. that. Come on. Up here. Crowd management. Right now. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> here.
0: How soon I lost control of
2: things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Shocking, Right here, Shocking. ladies, two, right here.
0: She's not gonna stop until you come up, so <laughs> give in.
1: Uh. Well, we're glad you finally made it. <laughs>
0: okay, Susan, um, no, okay. You, you You're the
1: one who put the Prosecco out, John. I know. It wasn't I, me.
0: I have no one to blame but myself. But let's try to bring it back to the topic at hand. You wrote a book with a friend, you wrote a couple more books, and then you wrote a book called It Had to Be You. How does someone who is at best have a nonchalant relationship with professional sports decide, I want to write about a football player?
1: I thought you were going to say who is at best mediocre. I don't know what. <laughs> The, the very first book I wrote was a uh, historical romance I wrote in collaboration with a neighbor. We were both home with small kids, and uh, this is a book that is long out of print, but we uh, we had so much fun writing this book. We would go to whatever person's kitchen had the dinner that was going to take the longest to prepare, and we'd talk about what scene we needed to have uh, right next, and then Claire would go off, and she'd do a rough draft, and then she'd give it to me, and I would either throw it completely out, or I would just touch it up, and we had about 125 pages of this written when um, we had an editor at Dell Publishing contact us three weeks after she received these pages from someone else and said, "Um, we've read this, we like it, and we're going to make you an offer. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. Uh, This reinforces the idea you have to know someone to get published, but it's not true. What happened was we knew somebody, and that's how we got read quickly. Uh, and also, the market was so hot for historical romance then. This was like 1981, 82. Um, and then uh, my, my co-writer went to law school. She left, and I was on my own, wrote another historical. And then I really wanted to experiment with contemporary voice, so I wrote my first big book, which was Glitter Baby. Uh, I did three of the big books, one of which was Fancy Pants, Nine. Uh, 19- I keep going blank on the date of that book. I think it was 93 or something, or 89, something like that. It was the 80s or 90s. And that was the first sports romance. That was the Texas good old boy golf pro. In terms of the Chicago Stars books... I just had this idea, what would it be like if a woman who knew nothing about sports inherited a professional football team? And it just made me laugh. But I didn't intend to write a series. I wrote that book, and in the book, a wide receiver out of Tellerosa, Texas, named Bobby Tom Denton comes in. And i he was so arrogant and ridiculous, I had to write his story. That was Heaven, Texas. Still, no series. I go on and write something else. And it just kind of went that way. But the the turning point was, so It Had to Be You was one turning point. And actually, the way that book hit, because my career was on a downhill trajectory, the way that book hit was we had a Romance Writers of America conference come up, and my agent said to the publisher, give away 1,000 copies of It Had to Be You at RWA. And this was before anybody was giving away free books. That was it.
0: Um, You were actively discouraged from writing about sports figures, weren't you? That was like a taboo.
1: I was not actively discouraged because I didn't know there was a rule. The the rule was you weren't allowed to write about athletes, rock stars, or actors. But I wasn't part of, uh, this I think was coming from Harlequin, I wasn't part of that group of writers. I didn't know there was a rule. Uh, so I was writing in ignorance and didn't find out about it later. John, I speculate that rule came because Harlequin is an international publisher, and I think they thought that if you wrote about sports, it, it wouldn't sports. be bought up by international audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But since then, I've written about athletes, rock stars, and actors. Yeah. And so have a lot of other writers.
0: <laughs> Which brings us to your latest book in the Chicago series, Simply the Best. What do you want people to know about the book who have not read it?
1: It's uh, really good. You should read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is the story of the hero is this shark of a superstar sports agent. Winner takes all. Failure is not an option. This guy is ruthless, and he's frankly kind of an ass. Please, oh. Darn it, I wasn't supposed to say that when you were broadcasting. (laughs) Um, That's all right. And the heroine is Rory Garrett. She's a failed chocolatier, and she is also the older sister of her younger brother is a super successful quarterback. He's always been good at everything. She's been in his shadow, and he also is the agent's most important client. So it does not go well between them. It's a love story, but it's also a story about success and failure and those bigger themes, what um, what price do we pay to be simply the best.
0: There's also a dead body in there, too. There
1: is a dead, dead body. Hey, I pulled that off, didn't I? You did. And writing suspense is not my forte.
0: Which brings us to Jen. You switched from...
1: <laughs> Very good.
0: Yeah, you switch from romance to killing people. How did that...
2: For me, personally? <laughs> hmm. um, public servants. <laughs> we, John and I joke that we're recovering librarians. <laughs> and I think when you do 22 years for me, I don't know how long you did, but 25, um, you have a list. Yeah, you know. So I, I, I work through things. <laughs> um oh boy. <laughs> this is getting dangerous. <laughs> but yeah, so um no, I the mysteries actually I wanted to be a romance writer. My I wanted to be a romantic comedy writer. Um and that's where I started and then it didn't go very well. Um and again Harlequin had, you know, their way and I didn't really fit you know square peg square peg so uh, my husband actually said why don't because I love all genre I love fantasy I love romance I love mysteries I'm not really a literary reader but although I have found some books lately that I love um, so my husband said why don't you uh, write a mystery and I was like oh man you have to be like really smart you have to have like red herrings and suspects and a murder and then I started writing it um, because he also said wise man, Um, when I couldn't wrap my head around it, he's like, why don't you write it backwards?
1: Oh.
2: Right? That's really weird. Smart guy. He's in the (laughs) back. (laughs) Really? (laughs) He's weird. But it was (laughs) because I wasn't a plotter. I was a pantser. Mm -hmm. But this was a way of getting me to plot. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh. So then I wrote the mysteries, and then they sold, and, and now I'm writing romantic comedies again. So,
1: Do you still write backwards when you do a mystery, or was that just to get you going?
2: I think it was mostly to get me going, but it was mostly kind of like, it was kind of like writer accountability, you yeah. know, because the beauty of a dead body, as you've discovered, it really moves a plot along. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Isn't it lovely? Yeah. yeah, it does. All that authentic emotional stuff, who cares? Yeah. We got We got a dead body. Okay. Um, yeah. But for me, it was, it was actually, when I used to write the romantic comedies, when I started, I would have the blank page. Have you ever had a blank page <laughs> It's mm-hmm. awful it's um awful. and i i realized i needed a plot i needed to know you know who the suspects were how the person got murdered who got murdered and then weirdly i've probably written what like 50 mysteries about now i've stopped plotting i've started pantsing them from the beginning yeah pretty much like i know the. i always know my opening line but this last one that I wrote is the next one that comes after this one, and I stopped plotting halfway through, and then I was on deadline. I had to crank it out over Christmas in a month, you know, like 30,000 words or whatever.
0: Remember, you're on the Internet. Your editor's listening, so. <laughs> <laughs> she worked very hard
2: for months. <laughs> um, but, but it was weird, and, and Reese Bowen is a mystery writer, and she, she's a panther for mysteries and I was just like oh now you do this crazy and a friend of mine here is also a panther, Paige Shelton and um I was like why do you guys do that and they said well if I knew who the murderer was it wouldn't be interesting to write right and so this last book that I wrote all of a sudden I had these wicked twists because I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like oh I get it I get it is that
0: fatal first edition
2: no that one was pretty plotted out but um I can't remember the title. A Merry Little Murder okay, Plot? Holiday. Yeah, the, the next one after this one.
0: Well, tell us about Fatal First Edition.
2: Uh, there's a train. <laughs> 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 um, Fatal First Edition is kind of my homage to um, Murder on the Orient Express and Strangers on a Train. So there's a little bit of both, although not nearly as, you know, like really high Smith and Christie. Mm-hmm. And then me. <laughs> but. I just love train travel and I love the idea of a murder on a train. So it was, you know, I mean, I've killed a lot of people (laughs) at this point in a lot of ways. So it was like, hmm, what are we going to do that's different? And in this book also, I have another writing friend, Kate Carlisle, if you all know her. Um, She writes the Bibliophile Mystery Series, which is a bookbinder. The woman is a professional bookbinder. And I thought after so many books, we've both had about 15, 16, whatever books, I said, our characters have to meet. So my librarians go to a uh, conference in Chicago where Brooklyn, Kate's main character, is um, giving a talk. So they got to do a cameo. And the, the best part about that is I spent a year telling Kate I was going to kill her character. off. <laughs> 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 Could be why she's not talking to me now. But no.
0: Susan, you have said that you when you're writing your books, you need to find an occupation where the hero and the heroine can spend a lot of time together. What made you choose a chocolatier? Um,
1: I don't remember. (laughs) If you're going to do a a romance, you've got to keep the characters together, right? So um, I think I've had the idea for a chocolatier for quite a while, which is interesting because I like cheap milk chocolate. Really exquisite chocolates are not my thing. I'm like a caramel person. So really when I did a lot of that research... It wasn't um, n- making me run to the refrigerator every few minutes, which was always good. But I, uh, yeah, I, d- I don't remember why I chose John Ladier. <laughs> yeah. John, do you have another question for yes. me? Yes. <laughs>
0: um, I do have another question. I'll just add that oh Susan is available for product placement, so if Godiva <laughs> or Hershey's are listening to this, feel free to, send, feel free to send the samples to the poison pen and we'll get them to Susan. Really? Yeah, really, really. <laughs> um, Okay, let's take an easy question for both of you because it's Valentine's Day.
1: <laughs> and because
0: Susan's already had two glasses of Prosecco. So, um, what are, what is, what are the romances that made you fall in love with the genre as a reader?
1: Um, with me, it were the, the historical bodice rippers of the 19, late 1970s and 80s. When I s- use the term bodice rippers, that's a very specific subgenre of romance. And these were the historical romances where you had the virginal he- uh, heroine and you had the strong, burly, uh, truly over-alpha hero. And we did have some rape and pillage in those books, which younger readers have a very, very hard time understanding those books. I mean, they don't age well for them. But I understand, I think, really clearly what the appeal of those books uh, is now, or what the appeal was then, that we now find offensive, and that was, for those of us raised in the 50s, good girls couldn't. Good girls didn't. So the only way you could have sex was if it was going to be against your will, and so it had to be against your will, but you had to kind of enjoy it, so it had to be a hunky hero. And um, so uh, with those books, what was really fascinating about them was you ha- the heroines were pretty wimpy, right? They didn't have a lot of skills, they didn't have a lot of money, they didn't have a lot of knowledge. The hero had all those things. But by the end of the book, she had brought him to his knees. And we have The Rise of the Feminist Movement and those books happening at exactly the same time and I don't think it was accidental at all. So those were the books, which I probably would not enjoy now, but that I enjoy, I loved then when they came out. Kathleen Woodowitz and Rosemary Rogers and Joanna Lindsay's early books, uh, you know, all of those. What about you, Jen?
2: Um, I agree. I was uh, a little bit behind those, but I think for me, the other thing, I always feel with romance that is misunderstood, and I don't think this has changed. Um, And this was my take on those books. Women are exhausted. We're just tired, you know, and if the dude wants to do all the work, (laughs) I'm okay with that. (laughs) But And I think you had women that were, well, they were entering the workforce, Mm -hmm. but they still had to do the dinner. And host his work people and be pretty. Mm. That one still lingered, doesn't it? Um, and I think women were just like, they could pick up a novel, and there was suddenly rich guy, hot guy, smart, hopefully, smart guy, and then he did all the work in the bedroom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is really interesting. I think you're onto something there. Oh, I think we're tired. Yeah, you yeah. You know, yeah. or they were mm-hmm. then, too. Yeah. But I think
2: for me, the the author, like, I read a lot of those, um, and I loved them. But the one author that, like, I'd probably keel over dead if I met her is Loretta Chase and the absolute most wonderful historical romance oh wait, to me. Oh, let me finish your sentence. Lord of Scoundrels. <laughs> 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 Close. Mr. Um Mr. Impossible. Is it Impossible?
0: Lord Imperfect, yeah. Mr. Impossible.
2: Really? Mr. Impossible. It's the one where they go to the Egypt and they're looking for her. Yeah. She's really smart yeah. and he's, he's like a big doofus. Yes, and I love it so much. <laughs> like she can d- do a hieroglyphics and he's just this big lumpkin. But he has this, he's, he's just there to protect her. and, he, and like He's a golden retriever. He is. And I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not a bad thing. But what I love is she's really smart and there's a couple of scenes where I mean she's divorced no, she's widowed And the thing I loved about it that really resonated is he says to her at one point when she's talking about because um, she's really smart and this is of course historical and her previous husband who had died tried to diminish her her mental abilities because she could she was figuring out hier- hieroglyphics and she's talking to the hero about, you know, this husband. And she says, well, do you, do you think I'm too manly? Do you think I'm too because, you know, I'm smart? And he says something to the effect of, he must have been a very small man, otherwise he wouldn't have needed to chop you down to size. And I, that just stays with me. I just, I, it's my favorite book ever. Sorry. It's my comfort read. <laughs>
1: Well, I, let me put in, as long as we're talking about Loretta Chase's books, let me put in a plug for Lord of Scoundrels, yes. which was a, one of her really, really early books. And it is it is the, it, talk about the grumpy hero um, and the, the feisty, strong heroine. She just pulled it off beautifully. I, I love that book.
0: Yes. Um, Susan, you talked about your love of historicals, and usually they feature dukes and all these important figures. Are sports figures today kind of their modern counterpart
1: yeah I mean when you when you're looking if you want to create the alpha hero what do you have you've got the detective the cowboy um, you've got those archetypes to play with and because there were so many books like that I think when I originally um, started writing the sports book I just thought well the athlete is another one of those archetypes but nobody's played with it that much plus I could play with the whole idea of the dumb jock, which just, I love being able to play with that. Um, so I think it definitely is, the, it's the Duke, but for contemporary books, yeah.
0: I do have a question for you, Jen, because your new book, Fatal First Edition, is set on a train. Mm-hmm. You talk about movies and books, um, Patricia Highsmith's book in particular, mm-hmm. and one scene in there, the characters are going on about Which is better, the movie or the book? Right. So I told you I gave you an assignment. (laughs) And, of course, you totally, no, no. (laughs) but now I'm going to make you do it. Which, (laughs) give us some examples. Books better than movies they're made of. Movies that are better than the books.
2: Books that are better than the movies. to start you off. No, I remember that one because it's in the book. (laughs) Die Hard was a book first. Nobody knows that. It was no. a book first. So that is, I think, the movie's but be- Alan Rickman, come on. It's never going to get better. And Bruce Willis. Um, so that's one where the book was, I think, worse than the movie. Here's one, um, and uh, I don't want to get in trouble with the diehards, or I should say the twihards. but I read Twilight. Enough said. And I went to see the movie. Because was, I was a teen librarian at the time, and the teens were just... I mean, we had a Twilight prom. I mean, we fully embraced the, the Twilight era. It, that was one where I really thought the movie... Did a better job. No. I thought the movie could have been better than the book. I'm like, it's a it's a really good... like, It would have been a great screenplay. Like, there's a lot here to work with. And then the movie was exactly like the book. Mm. Okay. So that would be one where... <laughs> 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 They're both bad. <laughs> okay. Well, just not my thing. But you know what I mean. And then what's the other one? Where the... Yeah. The movie's is better than the movie. movie's better than the book. The movie. Uh, Crof- uh, Crawdads? Oh, Crawdads. I never saw the movie. How was uh, that?
1: I didn't. I read the book. The book was yeah, amazing. Yeah, I think probably the book was better than the movie. Yeah, I think that's did a safe bet. you agree. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I, think that, I think mostly that books are better than H- the Harry movies.
1: Potter and. Um, You know, the books are so much better than the movie because the movies had to cut out so much. Mm -hmm. And I I hate the idea that a lot of the kids now have only seen the movies. They haven't read those books. Which are amazing. Yeah.
2: I think one of the funniest author quotes um, I met Charlene Harris like way back in 2010. And I was a huge Sookie Stackhouse before people even knew who Sookie Stackhouse was. Like, anyway, because, you know. Right, librarian. Anyway, and I loved them. And then it became True Blood. Well. I mean, Skarsgård, we're done. We're good. I'm <laughs> good. And I would say that's a situation where they, and this is, I thought, how she put it, um, I'm not looking for the HBO series to be like my book. It lives in a separate realm, <laughs> Skarsgård realm. <laughs> and she's like, but I also think it's made me a lot of money. <laughs> And I thought, that's how you have to look at it. You know, l-
1: look at Bridgerton. What a brilliant job they did adapting mm-hmm. Julie's books. Um, and, you know, the, the books were there, and they respected the books and came up with that, this amazing series. I can't wait for the new series to start. And they are very
2: different. So they, they are like, they also live in a different kind of realm. They, they know, do. They did and change they're both a lot. Pr- very
1: satisfying. Yes.
0: You both have written what we'll call series, though that has different meanings in mystery and romance. Um, Your Chicago Stars series, Susan, your many, many mystery series, Jen. Um, (laughs) What are the advantages as an author to writing connected books? Are there disadvantages? Um, How do you keep everything straight? We'll start with you, Susan. Oh,
1: boy. I think because the Chicago Stars wasn't supposed to be a series, I never kept a record all the way through, and that has gotten me into so much trouble until I learned that, and if any of you are on my Facebook page, you know that if I'm writing a Stars book, I'll hop on Facebook and I'll say, who's reading such and such book now? Like, did Phoebe and Dan have a pool at their house? And I'm... (laughs) Five minutes, somebody will come up with an answer. And I'm like, you know, this is right. I should not have to do all the work here. The readers can do some work. (laughs) Um, and it is when I write a stars book I am going back into familiar territory on the other hand it's like Bill said to me at one point he says Susan you already have more quarterbacks uh, than any team in the NFL you cannot do another quarterback and that kind of annoyed me so I said all right for you I'll do a backup quarterback (laughs) and that became the seed for when stars collide where Thad Owens is, is Clint Garrett's backup. He's number two, always number two, and I hook him up with Al- Olivia Shore, the uh opera singer who is number one. So once again he's backup. So that was a fun thing to play with. But you d- I get tired of it after a while.
0: You, are you a fan of opera? Is that why you no, chose to be nothing it? about it. So this is like bit of M- yes. <laughs>
1: That's I know I pick something
0: it. that you don't really like and make a career
1: yeah yeah <laughs> there you go um, I did listen to a lot of opera when I was writing that book though And some of it I loved and some of it I didn't but no I mean I don't think we've had a lot of of opera divers as her- heroines and to put that the opera you know highbrow culture lowbrow culture oh, was just nice. perfect yeah
0: what about you Jen you've got three series I think
2: yeah, um, I, never, I didn't realize they would go that long, so I didn't make a Bible either, <laughs> which has been problematic, but, good old Facebook, um, one of the characters in one of my series has seven brothers, and I was at work, and I, I could not remember the names of the seven brothers, so I hopped on, and I was like, all right, free book to the first person who tells me the <laughs> names of all seven brothers.
1: Yep. Five minutes. Right
2: there. So, yes, I, I do. I like having my, my secretaries or administrative assistants out there in <laughs> social media land. It's wonderful. But, um, no, series are great because you're going back to visit a place that you know with people you know that you care about. And you're invested in their individual stories and their families at this point. You know, I, I know the families. And the, but you're also kind of constricted.
1: So you can get a little bit of fatigue. I have not been really constricted with the Stars book except for the fact that I've been writing a lot of quarterbacks because every book has is, has a different landscape to it, and each book completely stands out unknown. own. You can enter the Chicago Stars book at any point, point. Um, and I haven't written <laughs> – children uh because i don't have good stories for them so i have had that advantage with with the series but so is it
2: more like a continuity
1: than a series would you
2: say absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i like a I con- i like a good yeah. continuity
0: jen you um started out in romance mm-hmm. went to mystery but mm-hmm. you've come back to romance and so not a lot of people know about that or more you wish more people knew about that. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so so what prompted you to decide I'm tired of killing people and now I want to play matchmaker?
2: Well, I I rom com was my preferred genre. That's what I always wanted to publish in. Mysteries were I loved reading them, but I didn't really think like I said before, I didn't think I had the brains for that. Um and I love fantasy too, but the world building is, you know, very intimidating. Very, very much intimidating. But um When we call it the pub apocalypse, like 2016 happened, and it looked like all the mystery writers, the cozy writers, were going to get kicked to the curb, I uh, panicked, (laughs) as you do, and I went to New York, (laughs) I went to my editor's office, and I said, you know, how are things in mysteries and and cozies and, 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 you know, editors, she's like, everything's fine. Yeah, it's never fine. Um, and I was like, okay, hypothetically, <laughs> if things were not fine, what else could I do? And, you know, editors have their wall of books. So she turned around and she pulled a stack of books and she pushed them at me and she said, you could do that. Oh, the irony. It was romantic comedies. And I was like, okay, okay. And I had to take the train home from New York to my mom's up in Connecticut and the whole train ride. Um, as my children were trying to take over the train, you know, because whatever. Um, my mom and I were like, "Okay, we'll make him a veterinarian. Perfect. Okay, where?" And I'm like, "Rhode Island? No, Maine. No." <laughs> and by the time we got to New Haven, we had a, we had a pretty much a plot and an idea and a kernel of something that I could work with. So, and then I, I just stayed in both lanes. But then, I know I'm technically not supposed to say anything yet because the ink's not dry. But I'm going to go do. into the, I, Spill. Uh, yeah, right. Ooh, the tea. Um, I'm i I'm going to be writing a fantasy series. Wow. A librarian who can raise the dead. Yes, for a real publisher, same publisher. And uh, so it'll be a mystery, a rom-com, and a fantasy. Wow. I know, fun.
1: So we'll see.
0: Um, Both of you have been around the block, so to speak, when it comes to writing.
1: Oh, boy, have I been around the block.
0: (laughs) What has surprised you the most about the business of publishing? What do you wish someone had told you, Susan, when you were starting out? You need to know this. This will help you with your Um, career.
1: I'm glad I was writing in ignorance, really, and just focusing on the books. I was really fortunate. I had a husband who had a job, and no matter what I did, whether it worked or failed, the kids were going to get fed. We had a roof over our head, and not all writers have that. I'm very, very aware that that was a huge blessing for me. But what has been fascinating about my career, because my first book was published, Published in 1983, is that I have seen probably more changes in the course of my career than happened since the Gutenberg Bible. On there were no e-books. i originally we were collecting email addre- or, or uh, street addresses, so we had newsletters. There weren't audio wasn't a big thing, uh, and romance was either historical or contemporary. Uh, the other thing i 've seen so i 've seen all the technological changes, the way we can interact with readers on social media but um, I think that the other thing that 's been interesting is watching the way the public 's view of romance has changed because when I started there was it was uh, really um, there was a lot of snobbism, but what has happened since then is because romance covers everything from, we got dragons, we've got um, social issue books, I mean, it is such a broad genre that anybody who's a reader, it's almost impossible for them to have avoided reading a romance. So a lot of that buzz has really, really died down over the years. Mm-hmm.
2: Agreed. Jen? Um, I think, I wish someone had said, run. <laughs> It's not what you think it is, uh, for me, I came later to the game I came in the early 2000s, and um, it just you know it's like you have a dream and you work to that dream and you have this idea that you're gonna be living in a really big house on the side of Camelback, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're not <laughs> you know it's like it cracks me up. it's like you know, um, my husband's a musician, so we're we're just an arty family and um I remember I was, this is totally off topic, but I'm going for it, um, we were at one of his gigs, and one of the local pretty famous musicians is standing outside the club as they're loading in their gear, and he pauses, and he's a little bit older than us, and he was just like, yeah, my life is so glamorous. <laughs> I mean, they were loading into a redone sizzler, and <laughs> It was like, and I was just like, yeah, you know, you have this dream that you think it's gonna be all this, what, but what you don't realize is you actually have to get up every day, and <laughs> right! <laughs> And then there's copy edits, and then there's, you know, uh, cover art, and then there's revisions, and then your readership has, like, especially when you have a long-running series, they have expectations, and you have kind of an unspoken understanding of each other. And I didn't understand any of those things when I started writing. You know, I just thought, you, you write a book, it goes out into the world, you see it on the shelf, you feel great about yourself, you cash the check, you go home, rinse, repeat. Well, no, there's just a lot more. And with the rise of social media and stuff... You know, we talked about how great it is to just reach the readers, but the readers have certain, like, um, how's Henry your cat, and <laughs> it's just like, oh, he's he's great, why do you know all this about me? Oh, I put that out there. Ah! You know, it's like the lines are blurry, and it, 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 and sometimes it's a little, you know, off-putting. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? My other thing, you were talking about romance and how the perception of it's changed. One of the things I always thought about romance too, and why I'm so glad it is evolving and it is being more embraced, is that for me, a romance is never between a woman and a man, or a woman and a woman, or a man and a man, or whatever your, your romantic story is about. It's really about the person and themselves. Because for me, a romance, a really well-written, beautiful romance, is that you've got a flawed person in the beginning, maybe flawed people both, and at the end of it, they like themselves. And I think that, to me, has always been the attraction of romance. Absolutely.
1: I want that character growth. I want I want to see the heroine and the hero's journey. Yes. For sure, yeah. I
0: think you're kind of paraphrasing Paul, who says, how the heck can you love someone else until you love yourself?
1: Very true. <laughs>
0: um, before we go to questions from the audience, if you'd like, because I know, Susan, with you, it's like dragging... You behind a mule cart. Do you want to tell us anything about what's coming next? Can we hope for another book?
1: I actually usually I just say no, but (laughs) (laughs) in this case it's pretty obvious what's coming next. In When Stars Collide, the hero uh, is has. He's the backup quarterback for Clint Garrett, who's the young, feisty, you know, studly quarterback. And I knew when I introduced him I was going to have to do a story. But by the time I was done with When Stars Collide, he was still too young in my mind to have his own story. So that's why I I thought about what would it be like if you're the sister of this god of football. And that was the root for simply the best. But, you know, the time has come. Clint is... Uh, I'm working on his own story right now. It sucks so bad, I cannot (laughs) even tell you. Oh, I'm having such a hard time with it because I have no dead body. And I was whining to Jane Ann Krentz about this, and Jane says, you know, Susan, put a murder, it gives you a structure, right? And she said, it's never too late for a murder. I said, well, (laughs) I'm on page 255. She said, okay, maybe that's too late. (laughs) Uh, by the way, we have, I don't know who else is in the audience, but we have an illustrious guest today. We have Christina Dodd's daughter, Arwen, wave at everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I was with Christina last night um, in in Seattle, and uh, just a little brief commercial, because the book's not coming out yet. She has written this book called The Fair Daughter of Verona. And are you ready? It is the story of Romeo and Juliet's daughter. Uh huh, and Christina has tapped into her comic voice in this. Plus, you've still got a mystery. It is so much fun, and I like to believe the book wouldn't have been written if it weren't for Jane and me telling her how fantastic it was. Although, Arwen, you might you might have been cheering her on too. So, a digression. There.
0: No, that's actually a good point because Christina will be here next month for her book, Every Single Secret, which is fabulous. And her next book comes in July. And this is a commercial message. It's not too early to reserve your copy. So yeah. when, you're, when you're done here, stop by the counter, um, put your name in. Christina would love to sign books for you. She'll be March 5th, thank you, because my memory <laughs> shot. Um, that was Susan. OK, what's next for you, Jen? Because we can also do pre-orders for your
2: books. Yes. Um, after this one, uh, in library
0: book lover something.
2: Um. Uh, uh, Another book. Love it. First book. There you go. So it's a um, it's if you read Summer Reading, which came out. (laughs) see people. The there's a character in Summer Reading who's named Emily, and she's a hypochondriac and a librarian. (laughs) 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 Yeah, right. Right, what you know. Um, So she uh, is has always dreamed of a bigger life. So she takes a job working for the author that was pivotal to her when she was a young teen in a very dysfunctional home. And that author is in Ireland and wrote a, a YA series that just meant everything to Emily. But half of her job is also working in the author's son's bookstore, and he does not want her there. So as she's assisting this author to finally finish, like picture Harry Potter without the last book. That's kind of what this is for this author. And she's trying to help her, and the son doesn't want her there, and it's in Ireland, and I went on a trip there, and it was awesome, and everybody should go, and Guinness is amazing. <laughs> But um, it's kind of a, it's a like a a love story to Ireland So, and, and a rom-com um, Like she learns how to drive in Ireland And I actually did that Oh boy Yeah <laughs> <laughs> And the night before I was going to drive my mother My college roommate and her daughter Who was the flower girl at my wedding You know, women trip um, I was laying in bed while they all slept After a hearty pub crawl And I was like, I'm going to get us all killed Oh my God <laughs> but obviously I did not. But anyway, so that's all written into the book because it was ridiculous and fun. Um, After that is then the next cupcake mystery. The Christmas one? No. This one is a summer one with football players. It's called Fatal Fondant. And two uh, football players buy a cupcake bakery franchise. So it was super fun. And the cover's awesome. But anyway.
1: Yeah, and then there's a Christmas Ask
0: Susan where she got her football chocolates, because that would tie in perfectly with the book. Yeah,
1: football chocolates are really good. They're, they're on the take-some-home, yeah. I will check yeah. them out. It, and it's a private candy maker, although I did find her through Amazon, I have to say. But, you know, life is not perfect. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why don't we stop and take some questions from our audience. Patrick, if you have any online questions, now's your chance. I've stunned you all into silence. <laughs>
1: Yes? Oh, I'm not prolific. Two years for a book. (laughs) No, but I mean, you've written many books. Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Over many years, right? (laughs) Does the time for editing get
1: better the more books you write, or is it still a trial, or how does the editing work? I love to revise. I hate a blank screen, it makes me anxious and it makes me doubt myself. Once I have pages, I am really comfortable. I trust myself as an editor. So I like that part. I like revisions. A lot of authors do not. Yeah.
2: How often do you uh, revise your work before you turn it in?
1: Well. I You know, I get an idea, and I sit down and I go chapter One, and I start writing, and I get halfway through and I go back to the beginning, and I redo that, and then I get to chapter two by the time i 'm halfway through chapter Two, I realize chapter One is wrong, and I go back and start there and then finish two <laughs> it, it's it 's a terrible, terrible process by the time the book is done, after two years. When I finally am at the end, it's in pretty good shape because I'm constantly revising. Uh, I can't, you know, what would be great is to be one of those writers who could just plow through and write a bad rough draft and then go back and fix it. But (laughs) I approach everything, my background's in theater, it's not in literature, and I approach everything internally and uh, sometimes, uh, you know, I cannot make characters do things. I mean, I can do it. I can make characters do things that aren't part of their real personality, but I have to go back and fix that. So everything is kind of growing organically, and it's just a mess. It's a messy process. I do not recommend it. Wow. <laughs> See, run. <laughs> 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 I uh, I write. Uh,
2: sorry, I write page one to the very last page, and then I read it Ooh. once, and then I
1: send it in. <laughs> She is not a nice person to be talking about that in front of me. <laughs> She's not going to be my friend now. No.
0: no. Um, other questions?
2: This
1: uh, is for Jen. You have a different
2: series. How do you keep the people straight in your mind? Good question. Um, luckily the, the settings are all pretty different. Like one is set in Connecticut where I was a librarian where I started my career, and then one is set here in Scottsdale where I live now, and then one is in London. Um, so the settings usually um, are pretty good, and luckily there are copy editors. So, like when I was writing a, a cupcake book, and suddenly Lindsay was a cupcake baker instead of a librarian, the copy editor was like, "Hello," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, my bad." <laughs> but so I, I have help. But I think the settings are really are what helps me the most. You know, when you're writing Notting Hill, it's so vastly different than Scottsdale, Arizona, so that keeps me on point.
0: Other questions? way towards the back. Um, I, to with, um, I have a question, who's your
2: favorite, or do you think about a couple in the Chicago stars that
1: you, that you love the most? I, this is just such a trite answer, but whatever couple in the book I just finished, I love the most. Whatever couple in the book I'm working on, I can't stand them. <laughs> That's really the truth, uh, truth, true answer. But, you know, I I think fondly back on on some of those early couples, you know, Kevin and Molly and Dan and Phoebe, and and they're doing really well. I'm sure they want you to know that everything's going really well with them.
0: Patrick, did you have some? Yeah, there are a couple of questions for the online viewers. Um, The first one is simply, do you like... (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, do I like football? I do. Yeah, I do like football. Um, it's toward the end of the season. If the When the Bears are playing in the beginning, of, I mean, that was just torture, and I just, I left. I'll let Bill watch those and tell me afterward. But, you know, from the AFC, leading up to the AFC and NFC championship games, I was there, yeah. But I don't like other sports. Okay, related question. It says, uh, Susan, some sports figures live personal lives which push the envelope. Mm-hmm. Uh, your character push envelopes, do you think actual players today reflect your characters, or maybe do your characters reflect actual players? Let me just say to that, Travis and Taylor, (laughs) (laughs) I was way ahead of you two. I have a question for both of you about your audio books.
0: Do you do you like them, or are you happy about them?
1: We don't, I
2: don't I mean they have a like I have to listen to three people audition um, And I will say one of the books I I only have one where I've come from the male perspective and the guy that did it I was like listening to and I'm like I need a fan and a bucket of ice <laughs> <laughs> um, So th- Yeah, they audition and then you pick them and then you hope for the best because it's like you get like a three-minute sample
1: And then you hope they sound like your character So I love them and I love listening to audio so yeah, we get a couple to to listen to and make our choice, and um, the reader, uh, you know, audio has just become so big over the years, and readers really love it. I, I, I swear I have more readers at the U.S. Post Office. Th- they are not sorting mail. They are listening to audio books, <laughs> I guarantee it.
0: We did have one unusual circumstance. Someone actually mailed a question in for this event before. This has never happened. I wrote it down because I wanted to be sure. Now, this person did not sign their question. The only clue I have is that it was came from Seattle, someplace in oh, Washington. Oh, boy.
1: I know something's coming. And the
0: question is specifically for Susan. It's like, what has working with literary <laughs> legends like Christina Dodd and Jane Ann Prince. <laughs> taught you as a writer. I wonder who that
1: was. Wonder who sent that in. I'm humbled, okay? I'm freaking humbled.
0: There Good we go. Answer. Answer. Last chance for questions before we...
2: Ready? One in the front. So you've mentioned that you're both cancers. Um
1: Have you ever written a scene that just totally surprised you and can you think of one I can think, oh for sure in it had to be you in, early in the book, the hero uh who's a, the coach for the Chicago stars stops at a seven eleven and picks up a sixteen year old girl and you were like, holy cow- now i in the back of my mind, I kind of knew what I was doing but um and it's like, is your daddy home? Well, we'll go to your house i mean it's so icky. And I'm writing this. I'm thinking, oh, I guess I can push this a little farther, a little farther, a little farther. And I keep pushing and I keep pushing and I push, keep pushing until they're going at it in Daddy's house. And the, um, the voicemail goes off and it's a message. And we realize that this is his ex-wife and they're playing a little game. And she's Uh-oh. not a teenager. But what happened with that is some of the readers didn't read it all the way through. <laughs> And they were going online and saying, this is sick, this is twisted. And um, the other readers are going, keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. <laughs> and it's actually the end of their relationship, because he does not want to play games like this anymore, and uh, and she does. But it was it was walking a dangerous tightrope with that with that uh, scene, and I, I loved it. I, that was so much fun to be, try to pull that off. Twisted, but fun. I remember that one, and I <laughs> remember having that,
2: well, what, what is she is doing? She doing? Oh, my God. Um, for me, I can't really, because I write murders. So um, I think the most surprising thing for me is when I kind of run out of
1: steam, I'll just kill somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so what a nice person she is.
0: <laughs> Patrick, you had another question? When in doubt, kill
1: somebody. Yeah, uh, much. <laughs> page count.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Oh. <laughs> Can't they just go back and write? S-E-P. what sport do you play? Jen, what cupcakes do you make? <laughs> Ooh, I got called out. Well, this is from either Christina Dodd or Jane Ann Krantz, and they are saying this because they know I play no sports at all. If you don't need to wear mascara to do it, I am not interested. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um,
0: you actually bake, though. I
2: do, I do. Um, and John Charles and I share recipes. Um, I have a, a standard vanilla and chocolate, but I do. I play volleyball.
1: Well, <laughs> goody for you. <laughs> <laughs> nice skateboard. <laughs> uh, yeah. Before uh,
0: we conclude, I do have one question for you, Susan. Now that gothics are all the rage again, I loved Heroes Are My Weakness. Can we expect
1: another gothic. heroes of my weakness was a standalone book and i was raised on those gothic romances of phyllis whitney and victoria holt and they always had the mysterious house on the hill and the heroine running away in her in her negligee and there was always a cave and the tide coming in and so i took did a modern take on that but included all those elements like she's running from the house on the hill and she's wearing her bunny pajamas and and (laughs) things like that that was really really fun the problem with that though john is it only is, was really the older readers who got all of the, who had, who had read all of those books, who got what was going on.
0: Good answer. Mm-hmm. Okay, if there's no other questions, we're going to go ahead and, Patrick, do you want to turn us off virtually?
1: Hello. We hope you're enjoying our programs and podcasts with authors. We'd like to expand them, and your help would be appreciated please make a donation at at poisonedpenfoundation.org. 100% of the proceeds will go to help connect authors with readers in this difficult time. Thank you.